بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمدہ نسلی علیہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ٹوینٹی سیونتھ آف مارچ ان دا ایئر الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو دا ففت بلیسڈ ڈے آف دا ہولی منت آف رمدان اینڈ آئی ریچ ویس فور So inshallah to spend the session on this blessed verse. So verse 4, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. They ask you what is halal for them. Say, halal for you are all things good and pure. And what you have taught your trained hunting animals in the manner directed to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Eat what they catch for you but pronounce the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over it and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is swift in taking account so the first thing to point out here is that the previous long verse verse 3 was referring to what was haram <laughs> but now It's the opposite, i.e. the lawful, the halal. So what was the reason for the revelation of this verse? So there's a report. The hadith is in Tabarani, Hakim and Behaki. Sayyidina Abi Rafa, radiyallahu, he relates. Jibreel, alayhi salatu wa salam, he came and asked Rasulullah to enter, sallallahu alayhi salam. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi salam, gave him permission. But he delayed. Rasulullah then left his dwelling, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wore his cloak and he went out. And he said to Jibreel, alayhi salatu wa sallam, we gave you permission. Jibreel, alayhi salatu wa sallam, said, yes, but we do not enter dwellings where we find an image or a dog. They searched the dwelling and found there was a poopy in one of the dwellings. Mm. Upon this, Rasulullah commanded وسلم, Abu Rafa Allah, not to let any dog live in Al-Madina. Mm. So stop in the report. So what happened? Jibreel did not enter وسلم, the sacred chamber of the Prophet وسلم, because there was a poopy. Mm. And when the Prophet... found out about this, he gave orders to kill the dogs who are in Al-Madina. So this is obviously those wild dogs, which the scholars point out. The report then says, the people came to the Prophet and said, Ya Rasulullah, what is lawful for us from this community which you commanded to be killed? Upon this, Allah the Almighty revealed this verse. So this was the reason for the revelation of this verse. Mm. In another report in Ibn Abi Hatim, Sa'id ibn Jubair, he said that Adi ibn Hatim and Zayd ibn al-Muhalhal asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we are people who hunt with dogs and falcons and that the dogs belonging to the tribe of Zureh hunt zebras and deer And Allah the Almighty has prohibited the meat of dead animals. So what is made lawful for us from them? Upon this, this verse was revealed. So two companions 
they said that we hunt with dogs and falcons. And you've mentioned that dead meat is, is forbidden. So how do, how do we use or can we use these animals to hunt for this? And Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse meaning that as long as the etiquettes are there, then it is lawful. So here with regards to animals. So if you look at the verse, Allah Ta'ala mentions halfway through. Eat what they catch for you. فَكُلُوا مِمَّا So Imam Qurtubi in his tafsir, he states, the scholars have disagreed about the meaning here. Abdullah ibn Abbas, Abu Huraira, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad, Imam Abu Hanifa, they state, this means provided they have not eaten any of it. If the animal eats from it, the rest of it should not be eaten because it caught for itself and not for its master. So three of the Imams, according to Imam Qurtubi, they state that if your trained animal eats any of the animal it catches, then it's forbidden to eat it. Because it's because the animal has caught it for itself. Imam Abu Hanifa, he considers a lynx or a leopard to be like a dog in this respect. They did not stipulate that for birds and eat what has been caught even if they had eaten some of it. So there's a difference. If you use a falcon or a bird to catch, if he eats anything from it, the Hanafi state, there's no problem. It's only with regards to the dog or the other trained animal. Then Imam Qurtubi said, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, Abdullah ibn Umar, Salman al-Farsi, and Abu Huraira, they said that the meaning is that if the hunting animal, if it is a dog, lynx or bird eats, then the rest of the catch may be eaten, even if only a morsel of it remains. This is the position of Imam Malik and all his people, and the second verdict of Imam Shafi. So what's the difference? Three of the Imams, they state that if an if a dog catches an animal, but it's ate some of it, all of it becomes forbidden because it's ate for its own self. Imam Malik, he differs. He goes, no. He goes, you can eat the rest of the animal, but not the bit. It's eaten itself. And he goes, this was also the second view of Imam Shafi. So why have the Imams differed? Three of the Imams go one way and one of the Imams goes the other. Because there's two narrations Imam Qurtubi says. So the proof for three of the Imams is the following. The Hadith is in Sayyid Muslim. Adi radiyallahu asked about the dog. The Prophet said, if they eat of it, do not eat it for their court for themselves. So this is why three of the Imams go that way. The second is the hadith in Abu Dawood from Abu Talaba al-Khashani who said Rasulullah said about the game caught by a dog. When you release your dog and you take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over it, then eat even if it eats. Eat what is returned to your hunt. So Imam Malik takes this report. But Imam Qurtubi and this shows that they were completely unbiased, even though he was a Malik, he said the hadith of Abu Dawood is not sound. 
So look how you know sincere he was. He didn't say because I'm a Maliki, I'm gonna brush aside the weakness here. Because this is a weak report, which mentions that you can eat whatever. Then Imam Qurtubi said, although the two transmissions conflict, some of our people and others want to join them together and go by the prohibition out of scrupulousness and the hadith of permissibility as limited permission. So some of the Malikis, they state there's no contradiction. If you're a person of taqwa, you don't eat anything. You keep away from it. But if you are not as strong, then you can. So they've took a middle path. They said, Adi did it a lot. The Sayyid Muslim Hadith. And so Rasulullah gave him a fatwa to refrain and be scrupulous. Abu Talaba was in need. And so he gave him a fatwa. It was permitted. So Adi was a skilled hunter. He did it, you know, it was a regular thing for him. So the Prophet ﷺ told him to be careful. <laughs> but Abu Talaba, he needed it. He was in need. So Rasulullah gave him the concession that allowed it. Abu Umr said in Al-Istidhar, this hadith of Adi contradicts the hadith of Abu Talaba. It is clear that the hadith of Abu Talaba abrogates it. He said, even if he eats, Ya Rasulullah, he replied, even if it eats. So another view is that Abu Talaba's hadith abrogates Adi's hadith. Because Rasulullah's final command was eat. But Imam Qurtubi said, this is debatable. Because the respective dates are not known. Mm. It is more appropriate to combine both hadiths when the dates are not known. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Mm. So look how the scholars look at these reports. Some take one report, the other takes the other. Some try to reconcile. Some say abrogation. And that's why you leave it to the experts. Mm. But unfortunately, we like to double. <laughs> There's other things mentioned. So Shaykh Maududi in his commentary of this verse, he states, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi and those of his school are of the opinion that if the hunting beast, i.e. the dog, eats a part of what it catches, the remaining game is unlawful. But if the hunting bird eats a part of it, the remaining game will not become unlawful because the hunting beast can be trained to catch and hold the game for the master without eating any of it. But the hunting bird cannot be so trained. So Imam Baba Hanifa makes a distinction between the dog and the bird. Because the reason that you can't eat once the dog has... Because you, you can train that not to eat, but you can't train the bird. Then Shaykh Maududi Rahmatullah says, In contrast to this, Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali, he is of the opinion that the game of the hunting bird is absolutely haram. Because it cannot be trained to catch and hold the game for its master without eating some of it. So Hazrat Ali said, forget about the bird. Because you can't train it. Because he's going to eat something and then what's happened? So this is a, a view of Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu. Another question posed here. What if you set your dog out or your bird and the game goes out of sight? Does that change the ruling? So there's a report in Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra 9-241, Ibn Abi Shaybah in his Al-Musannaf 7-72. Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said, Eat of the game you kill before your eyes and avoid the game that is wounded and runs. So according to the great Ibn Abbas, if it leaves your sight, forget it. But if you catch it within your sight, then it's fine as long as it's caught. 
Then there's another report. This is recorded in Abu Dawood, it is Marasil, page 281, Bihaki in his Sunnah 9-241, Ibn Abi Shaybah in his Musannaf 7-89. Our beloved mother Aisha radiyallahu said, A man went to the Prophet وسلم, with a rabbit and said, This is my game because I recognize my arrow in it. The Prophet وسلم, asked the man, Did the rabbit remain in your sight? He said, No, it disappeared, Ya Rasulullah. When the man replied it had disappeared, Rasulullah said, The night is one of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can appreciate its creation except the one who created it. Perhaps there was something else that contributed to the killing of the rabbit and he refused to partake. So it was out of sight. The Prophet goes, No. He goes, You know, it's gone out of your sight. So Imam Ghazali in his Chapter on the lawful and unlawful, page 48 of the English translation. He explains something very important here. The answer to this question is that forbidding by Ibn Abbas and Rasulullah was due to precaution. Because what is certain is that Rasulullah said, eat of it, even if it disappears from sight. So long as you find no sign other than your arrow. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim and Abu Dawood. So there's a hadith in the Sayyid. What did the Prophet say? Eat even if it disappears from sight. As long as you know it's your arrow. So there's a contradiction. So Imam Ghazali goes, no contradiction. The hadith which he mentioned first are for precaution. So again, Boli Bali Musulman, they'll quote hadith, confuse the hell out of you. Haram brother. Is it haram? Is it recommended? Was it specific? Is it general? Was it abrogation? Hasn't got a clue? Giving fatwa on hadith. So Imam Ghazali, Hujjat al-Islam says those reports are precautionary. But the Prophet allowed it as long as you are certain that your instrument was the one used. Also, in the Hanifi reference, Al-Hidayah, volume 4, page 86. How do you train a dog? The test of a dog being trained is it's catching game three times without eating it. So once your dog catches once, brings it back without eating it, still not trained. Send him again. Comes back. If he does it three times, it's trained. The test of a hawk being trained is merely it's returning to its master when it calls it. These tests are based on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar. This is in Al-Hidayah, volume 4, page 86. So the train, the falcon, the eagle, you set it, and if you call it, it should come straight back. If it doesn't, it's not trained. The second thing, again in Al-Hidayah, volume 4, page 86, repeating the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whilst letting the animal go is essential. But, according to Imam Abu Hanifa, if you forget, the game is still halal. If you do it deliberately, then the game is not halal. So Imam Baba Hanifa is lenient here. If you set the animal off and you forgot genuinely not to say Bismillah, the animal's lawful. But if you, I don't know who's going to do this, but you don't do it deliberately, because then it's forbidden. And this is what Imam Baba Hanifa mentions, Rahmatullah. In Ma'arif al-Quran, volume 3, page 54, Mufti Shafi, he goes into a bit, bit of detail. He states, 
to make an animal lawful when hunted through a dog or falcon, four conditions are needed. The first, the dog or falcon should be taught, trained and disciplined. The functional principle given is that the dog should have been groomed in a manner that it should, when released at the prey, catch it, bring it to you, not that it starts eating it. As for the falcon, the rule set was it should immediately return when you call it, even if it is chasing the prey. So even if it's about to pounce on the prey and you call it, it shouldn't get the prey. If it does, it hasn't been trained. When so trained, it will prove that these beasts of prey hunt for you and not for themselves. Now the animal hunted by these beasts of prey are considered yours. If they act against this training once in a while, for example, the dog itself starts eating the prey or the falcon does not return at your call, then this game is still not yours. Therefore, eating is, is not permissible. So even after he's passed, he's got his driving test. <laughs> He's got a license. If it goes against, it's still not allowed for you to eat it. You can't use the argument, it's trend. The second condition, Mufti Shafi said, is that you should release the dog or falcon immediately at your choice and will not that they dash after something on their own. So if they go by themselves, it's not allowed. <laughs> you didn't send it off. Sometimes it just goes, the eagle flies off. What's happening? It's found somewhere. It's halal though. No, it's not. You have to send it. The third condition is that the beasts of prey do not themselves start eating the game. Instead, they should bring it to you. This condition has been explained in the verse, Mimma amsakna alikum, what they hold for you. The fourth condition, when you release the dog or the falcon after the game, you say it after saying Bismillah. When these conditions are fulfilled, the game, if dead, before it reaches you, is still lawful with no need to slaughter. If otherwise, it will not be lawful for you unless slaughtered. So think about that. So you, let's say you set an eagle out. Bismillah sets out and he gets a deer fear. The deer is dead. Halal. Even though it's dead. That's the only given with the knowledge. But if it does it without conditions and it brings it, then you can slaughter it if it's still alive. Imam Abu Hanifa adds a fifth condition. The beast of prey should have wounded the game. A hint towards this condition is in the word al-jawadih, birds and beasts of prey, which includes, means man, animals which wound or injure. So it must be wounded. Mm. If it's not, then there's a problem. Mm. Also, a few other things mentioned. So in the work by Qadi al-Safadi al-Shafi'i, <coughs> the book, The Mercy and the Difference, of the four Sunni schools of law, page 100, he states, The Imams agree, it is permitted to hunt with trained animals, dogs, leopards, falcons, eagles, except for the black dogs, according to Imam Ahmed. Now, why did Imam Ahmed make one condition? Because the Prophet said, the black dog is shaitan. So that's the only thing Imam Ahmed says, any dog but not black dog. Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad Rahimahumullah say that the training of an animal has to be on two occasions for the animal to be considered trained. Imam Shafi says what is custom, Imam Malik doesn't take into, in, into consideration. So what's happening? The training. 
Imam Shafi said it's custom. Whichever part of the world the custom is, you go by that. Imam Malik goes, training is left to your discretion. The Hanafis and Hanbali said, no, it must do it at least twice. Bring it to you without eating. Also, Hafiz ibn Rajab, alhamdulillah, in his Jami al-Ulum al-Hikam, he's asked the question, can you buy dogs? Can you sell dogs? So, Hafiz ibn Rajab, alhamdulillah, in his Jami al-Ulum al-Hikam, page 722 of the New English Translation, he states, a party gave a concessionary license for the sale of dogs which it is permitted to make use of such as trained hunting dogs. So if you have a dog and it's got a use, for example, a blind, for the, to help a blind person, you can sell that dog. Hunting, you can sell that dog. Guarding, you can sell that dog. But it has to be for the use. This is the verdict of Imam Abu Hanifa and his companions and also from Imam Malik in one report. They say it is only forbidden to sell that which it is forbidden to make use of. And then they quote a hadith. Jabir relates that the Prophet he forbade the price of the dog and the cat except for hunting dogs. This is recorded by Imam Nasai 7-309. So the Prophet according to this hadith, he forbade the selling of the dog and the cat except for hunting dogs. But Imam Nasai said this is a rejected hadith. Imam Darukutni said it's a sahih report going only to Jabr. Imam Ahmad said it is not sound that the Prophet gave a concessionary license for hunting dogs. This is why there's a difference. Mm-hmm. What about the cat? The Prophet mentioned the cat. Mm-hmm. As for selling cats, Ibn Rajab said, the people of knowledge differ about whether it is allowed or disliked. Mm-hmm. So none of them say it's haram. The only thing is, is their dislike. Abu Huraira, Jabr, Imam Ahmad in one report states that this is disliked. Mm. Ibn Abbas gave a concessionary license for the sale of cuts. This is the view of also Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad in a well-known position. So simply put, with cuts, there's, there's less uh, you know, stressness with regards to that. Mm. And also it mentions, and this is just generally with regards to slaughtering animals. There's five conditions. Every care should be taken to slaughter an animal well, not to cause it unnecessary pain and torture. These are the conditions. Number one, the knife should be well sharpened so that it cuts the throat immediately without causing much pain. So there's no blunt knife used. You've got to be very sharp. Secondly, the knife should not be sharpened before the eyes of the animals. So you don't do it in front of the animal. Thirdly, the animal should be slaughtered at a place where there is no other animal, so that the other animal may not see this painful sight. You don't slaughter a sheep in front of a sheep, goat in front of you, do it separate. Mm. Fourthly, the animal should not be brutally dragged to the slaughtering place. It should be driven with ease. Our beloved messenger saw this and he goes, are you killing it twice? <laughs> and lastly, the animal should be left free after the throat is cut 
so that it may freely toss its body in the process of bleeding. All of this is recorded by Imam Nawi in his Sharh Sahih Muslim, volume 2, page 152. So all of this is the details. So now let's read the verse. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? They ask you what is halal for them. Say halal for them are all things good and pure. So there's a report. In Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Katir's tafsir, Imam Zukhri rahmatullahi was asked about drinking your line for medicine. He said it is not a type of tayyibat. And he crunched his eyebrows. So now, you know, what's strange is people now drink urine because they shafine it. So when Imam Zuhri was asked, what did, what, look at the, you know, they showed they were living Qurans. He didn't just say, I think. <laughs> he said, it is not a type of tayyibat. So be honest. Did you know he was referring to verse 4 of Surah Maida? So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? They ask you what's halal. What does Allah ta'ala say? Halal for you is what is tayyibat, pure. So Imam Zuhri goes, your line is impure. Look how interesting, right? So, you know, when people say drink it once and then after that don't drink it again, this is kafir fik, right? You know, what are you drinking your line for? There is something about the camel's urine, but that's something else. In another report, it mentions, this is in Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jarir, Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Ibn Abbas, he recited this portion of the verse. And what you have taught your trained hunting animals to catch in the manner directed to you. He explained, this refers to trained hunting dogs, falcons, all other types of birds and beasts that are trained to hunt, including dogs, wild cats, falcons, so forth. So what Ibn Abbas was saying was he was known for this. He was Ahlul Bayt. They find ease. He goes, anything, as long as you've trained it. So some people go, dog, eagle, that's it. Right? No, he goes, anything, as long as you've trained it. And he mentioned a few, right? You know, leopards in one report. Trained leopards, but that one. See, leopards come in, you're thinking, you know, how do you train a leopard? So this is another thing which is mentioned. Also, if you look at the end of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, pronounce the name of your Lord over it. Ibn Abbas explained this portion when he said, when you send the beast of prey, say Bismillah, if you forget, there is no harm. And this is why Imam Abu Hanifa took the ruling, maybe from this report from the great Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. So I'll recite the verse. Oh, you will come. Alhamdulillahim and like I mentioned, this is why in the previous verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Al-yawma ya'isalladheena kafiru min deenikum. This day have the unbelievers given up hope of you leaving your religion. Why? 
because Islam has now come, right? It's completely organized, giving you the complete teachings. When the unbelievers heard this, these reports, they go, there's no way they're going to leave that. Why? Who's going to leave us? Such a beautiful religion. So organized. For what? And even the Kuffar testified to that. But that's why Allah mentions these verses here, showing the, the great details. We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Quran the Rabbi of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.